Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 is underway. Friday edition we made is it. here. We made it, Chad. We made it, Hutton. They said we wouldn't make it, and guess what we did? We made it once again. Here we are. To the end of the week. Also, here we are. I'm back. I returned this week, and we made it to the end of the week. Short week for me. Long week for you. Long couple weeks for you, Hutton. <laughs> really long couple weeks, especially without me last week. Uh, I know that no was doubt. a real drain on you. No not doubt. Not having well, me around. I mean, uh, well, I agree. Um, uh, you're, you're echoing what I've been saying even without you here, Chad. Yeah. Chad, welcome home. I know you so well, Hutton, now that I can almost interpret your emotions from day to day. And I That's know right. now that right now <laughs> what you felt last week was a longing for me to co-host the show with you. Yeah. Thank and you, you for got me back on Tuesday. You had Thank that, you. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> Any pick-me-up you need, I'm here to provide. <laughs> and then Monday, you were without me. Tuesday, I return. And the week has flown by ever since. It's been a fun week on the show, and we're going to end it in grand fashion later today. We have the Chuttons. Uh, is it Withrow and Hutton or Hutton and Withrow? You decide, based on uh, the Chuttons. When someone comes up and asks if I'm Chad, I absolutely say yes, and I sign an autograph uh, on Chad's behalf. I don't know if he does the same or not, but... We have the awards of all awards coming up in the final hour where we hand out personal awards and honors for the best and worst in sports. Uh, Haley Karania will be with us for that as well. That's coming up in hour number three. And jam-packed show throughout. Trey Wallace joins us in about 20 minutes from Outkick.com. He is live in Los Angeles for Monday night's national championship matchup between Georgia and TCU. We will dive in on that, plus some other SEC headlines. That's coming up this hour. Um, a bit later, Mattress Mac has put down a considerable sum on the Frogs. TCU, I believe he's bet $3 million on TCU to win. $3 million plus to win. He joins us from Houston. That will be coming up at uh, the uh, top of hour number two. Uh, plus, Danny Cannell back on the show. More college football discussion and headlines uh, with him, he will be with us in hour three as well. I like Danny Cannell. I think it's a bad rap. SEC fans don't like him because he goes yeah. after the SEC, but he's one of those guys that even when he's saying something I totally disagree with about the Southeastern Conference, the best conference in all of college football, I still like him. He's It's the rare guy who says things I disagree with, but I like his energy. I like his style. I like his info, his knowledge especially when he comes on this show. So I'm looking forward to having Danny Cannell on. And Hutton, when anyone comes up and mistakes uh, me for you, mm. I just curse them out on the spot okay. and act like I'm Jonathan Hutton. So okay. there's people around town <laughs> that think you have this other persona where you're just really angry and mean yeah. all the time. Okay. That's me. Yeah. That's me just cussing at them when they say that I'm you. Um, you, you mentioned it's been a, a fast week. It has been, except for one story, which has been Damar mm. Hamlin and the recovery process. It's been a very fast cycle of news if you really look at it over the past couple of days but in real time it feels like one day was one week as we awaited word and 
where we started from, where we started the year in sports with the news of, and, and the nation really watching, 25 million, I believe, on average, watched after the injury occurred um, to ESPN and ABC's coverage of Monday Night Football, where DeMar Hamlin, um, the bill safety, went down with cardiac arrest, to the news where we are now of the fact that he is alert, the breathing tube has been removed, he has FaceTimed, he is speaking, he's FaceTimed with Bill's teammates uh, and the team meeting today with the Buffalo Bills. A tremendous, tremendous news given where we were whenever, Chad, you returned and we opened the show on Tuesday morning. It's great progress. I mean, for those first 48 hours where there was really scant information, we didn't know much of anything other than the family publicist putting out a couple things, but still was very vague with the info. When we got that great bit of news yesterday with the press conference, even before the press conference, Mm -hmm. with the Bills releasing the statement, and now the reports that not only was he um, neurologically intact, and he was able to write down responses to questions and even ask questions himself, now that he's talking on his own, could address the team and talk with the team, with the Bills, such a relief, uh, prayers answered on that front. And I think for the Bills, from a you know football play standpoint, going into this game with New England, they needed that more than anyone else. Yeah, I mean that that they weren't truly going to prepare and get ready yeah. and have their minds off things until they could hear from their fallen teammate. And now that that's happened, that's a big boost for the Buffalo Bills, and it needed to happen. And across the league, starting tomorrow with the two games, you'll see the number three on the field across the league for home and away teams. They'll have uh, shirts that they can warm up in. There will be a a pregame moment of silence as well to reflect on this recovery process. It's all uh, going to uh, the thoughts and prayers of the the Hamlin family. But again, uh, amazing news today out of Cincinnati uh, and continues to trend in the, the, the utmost positive direction with all of this. I had to be thinking, can you imagine how we would cover and how the public would respond to the Dell Earnhardt death, which was 2001, um, virtually the same time of year. That was Daytona, which was uh, February. Yeah. And in this case, no, no social media then, right? Yeah. And, and how we would be reacting to that and the, the news that was coming out then versus now. I remember I was in college when that happened. It's, it's, it's weird that you bring that up, Hutton, because I always think about these big moments, and I'll always remember the DeMar Hamlin incident and being at home watching everything unfold. But you're right, because we're, we weren't in a social media world at that time. We're breaking down Skip Bayless's comments. I was in college. Right? I, I remember walking back. I was a freshman and walking back through my dorm on the big TV in the bottom of the dorm mm-hmm. in the lobby, and they were reacting to it. Uh, the race was on, I think, on that team. That's how I saw it coming back from lunch or something on that Sunday, being in school. Yeah. And it, But it wasn't – it was a huge story, right? And we all know how Dale yeah. Earnhardt died. Yeah. But it wasn't some stop the presses, everything shuts down, everyone talks about this and only this at that time. Maybe it's because of the lack of social media. Maybe it's the nature of the sport. Well, you it, know, it, Even NASCAR at that time was at its height. In terms oh, of yeah. popularity, well, the news, but it the, wasn't the NFL. The news was cir- was focused on that, you know, the safety of the sport, the the harness and all that. But you had to wait for the uh, the nightly news to come on, right at at six thirty, or you waited on uh, Sports Center on the repeat starting at six a.m. Eastern, right? Like that. That's what you waited on. Now you just flip on Twitter 
and you can find out immediately what the NFL is going to do this weekend, um, the current state of the top four seeds and how that will be determined now on who's going to be hosting games and neutral site for potentially the AFC championship game, which we'll get to in a moment. And also just the, the, the press conference. You can watch it live on your phone now. And meanwhile, you'd have to know to flip over and find the presser live that was carried live at the time, you at least you hoped, on any update that was coming out of NASCAR. That, like, I, I'm glad we didn't reach that point of the, the, the type of result that many feared when we were watching this live on Monday. But you know, the, the drastic difference in the course of, what, 20-plus years, here we are where in, instant, in an instant moment you can get an update or you can receive... Uh, someone's opinion and then be very critical of said opinion. Yeah. And that drives the new cycle for the day. Well, and think about it this way, too, comparing it to Dell Earnhardt and what happened there. I mean, this would be the equivalent of Tom Brady collapsing and dying yeah. on the field. Right. Because that he was the Tom Brady of NASCAR yeah. when that happened. So, you know, DeMar Hamlin's not a star across the league. It's a huge moment that we'll always remember. We'll remember that name now forever with the Bills because of the instant, but it would also be the top name, biggest celebrity in the sport having something like this happen. So it's not equivalent. And it's crazy for me to think back that if we bring that, I'm sure people watching right now or listening right now, if I say Dale Earnhardt died at Daytona and think back to how did you realize it happened? When did mm -hmm. you know? How many people would say, I read about it in the paper the next day. I picked up my paper or, and saw that Dale Earnhardt had died because it was a front-page well, story. But keep in mind too, across like, the news section. The, but the just how different—that's that's 22 years ago that we're talking about this happening. But this, and just how different the world is now. Very different, but also very similar in the circumstances here. Many didn't know the name Demar Hamlin before Monday night, but it was Monday night football against one of the top matchups of the entire season: Bills Bengals for potentially the number one overall seed. You're about to go into playoff mode. And then this happens in the first quarter. I mean, this, this wasn't, um, you know, the, the, the circuit in the middle of the NASCAR season, right? This is Daytona. Your casual fan is tuned in just to watch the, the green flag drop and potentially the checker flag as well. Um, so I think more people were drawn in and more people knew to pick up the phone and call the landline. You know, maybe yeah. you're lucky not, not enough to get someone that would text you for 10 cents uh, and get the update. But... I, News circulated a lot just based on word of mouth in the telephone game, at least for me on that. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. It's just a, it's odd to think back to that because now, you know, if that, something like that happened, it would just be right on my phone immediately. Yeah. And everyone would be talking about it or I'd be getting texts from someone. Hey, have you, you know, turned to turn to Fox to watch the Daytona 500 because of what just happened. And we go to it immediately, similar to DeMar Hamlin. I'm sure a lot of people came to that story not watching the game, receiving a text from a friend or family member saying you need to turn to Monday Night Football right now for what's going on and watching it that way. And we experience it so differently back then. You mentioned the thing about 10-cent text, Hutton. Yeah. Do you remember the exact moment you either sent or received your first text message? No, I do not. I remember I it was, I mean, I thought that someone had tapped into a, a, a mystical world <laughs> that didn't exist. It was like hacking my phone when I first got it. Oh, I mean, it was, it it was a bigger phone that I had. And this is, I, I was out of college when I got my first text. It was probably right out, out of college, 2004, wow. I would oh, say. Wow. And I, there I, was a girl that I knew in high school that was a year behind me at Tennessee that was texting me on spring break. And I got a text. I'm like, what is going on? And then slowly but surely, I realized how to respond. 
And I'm thinking, man, this is a magical new world. And me and the girl started texting back and forth. It was great until I got a bill. And I realized I didn't have texting, and it was I was like four hundred dollars, which you know in oh. two thousand four when you're fresh out of college, I might as well have taken out two different loans <laughs> to try to pay back just to get the cell phone it bill was worth paid. It. Oh, totally worth it. It definitely it definitely played its way. It out. impressed her, I'm sure. It it played its way out well. And this guy's spending four hundred dollars on me. Right other now. than the money, but I'm thinking, <laughs> what is happening here? How how am I able to do this? And just you know, text into the night the entire time, whether I'm, I didn't even know it was a thing that existed. So. That's how I found out. Um, NFL owners have approved the postseason plan. They had the meeting today to approve what the committee proposed and and how to handle the canceled game, which was announced um, officially uh, yesterday evening. So here are the three scenarios that would determine a neutral site game for the AFC Championship. Buffalo and Kansas City both win or tie this weekend. And Buffalo and Kansas City, you have the championship game at a neutral site. That's guaranteed based on that result this weekend. Buffalo and Kansas City win and tie this weekend. Buffalo and KC either, uh, both not either, they both lose and Baltimore wins or ties against Cincinnati. Buffalo, Kansas City, championship game, neutral site. Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Cincinnati wins. It is a Buffalo or Cincinnati against Kansas City championship game at a neutral site. They have not decided on the neutral site for these potential matchups, but it has been approved and the owners have said the neutral site game will happen if one of those three scenarios plays out this weekend in week 18. Um, Yesterday, Albert Breer put out he was hearing it could be Indianapolis. If you look at the map and you just look at the, the mileage between drive time of Kansas City and Buffalo to Indy, it's virtually the same amount of miles. So People love to go to Indy, Indy for makes these sense. events. There's also a sentiment where because both teams, all three teams, are outdoor teams, they would like an outdoor venue. That's the other thing that's also been batted around. This will be Goodell and uh, his team's decision on how to pinpoint where to put the neutral site game if this plays a factor. I think, too, Chad, we're going to spend a ton of time talking about the neutral site elements of this. And ultimately, there's always a Cincinnati of last year that comes into play, that goes on a small run, upsets the apple cart, and all of this talk was not a waste of time, but the emphasis now shifts to the, the hot hand which would be one of the wild card teams. I'm blanking on the story now, but earlier this year, maybe even the end of last season, we were on this show talking about something that broke right where it just always plays out perfectly for the NFL. I forget exactly what it was, but remember it was everything broke the right way where even though there was a couple bad things that happened, the NFL always wins, and it's always the perfect scenario. Uh, I feel that way about this where it's going to play out where there's not going to be much controversy in terms of those top three seeds. Yes. And it's going to play itself out perfectly for the NFL. Now, I will have mad respect for Roger Goodell and the National Football League if they put this neutral site game outside. They're not going to. I'm betting against that. It's going to be indoors, probably going to be indie. I think that's the most likely scenario. But I will have mad respect for the league if they go outdoors in the elements for this AFC championship game on a neutral site. But if it's neutral site, Hutton, I think Indy probably makes the most sense. People love Indy. 
They love going to events in Indy. Final Four, NFL Combine every year. Yeah. It's centrally located. The downtown is easy to navigate. In the winter months, you can navigate it through the, the hallways of the convention yeah. center that spreads all the way out through downtown Indy. People love it. Uh, you can also open the roof there if you want. True. <laughs> Does that ever happen? It has happened. I was there. Uh, Ursay. So the the owners have the they they get the final say. You have to do it. You have to delegate it. It's like two hours before kickoff. Um, Ursay opened it literally at the last minute. He opened them during warmups, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it stays open until he decides at the deadline. So it was very cold and windy. They opened it up to try to get the Titans off their game, I guess. And um, then he kept it open, which actually didn't benefit his team because his team was built to play indoors. <laughs> so, yeah. See, now you've got me imagining Ursay there with a huge lever, just teasing the people of whether or not yeah. you know he's going back and yeah. forth and back and forth with the the roof. Is it going to open? Is it going to close two hours before kickoff? Um, Joe Mixon, he's not happy with the NFL over the NFL playoff proposal that has now since been approved, and here's why. The biggest bone of contention for Mixon, and he tweeted out the NFL rule book and the bylaws, which I've referenced all week, where they're going to have to have this approval in order to pull this off because based on tie-breaking scenarios, you go to um, this list of tie-breaking scenarios to determine, uh, in this case, it would be overall winning percentage to determine if, hypothetically, Baltimore beats Cincinnati. There's still a... A path for Cincy, and they could still win their own division, but what they have determined is, as a part of this resolution, because Baltimore is impacted by the North standings because the game last week wasn't played, because they're impacted, they have made this determination that if Baltimore beats Cincinnati, there will be a coin flip to determine who the winner of the AFC North is. And there is a scenario where Cincinnati could lose, but based on the tiebreakers that were in place, Cincinnati would win by virtue of the tiebreaker. They'd be the North champ, but by losing the 50-50 coin flip, they could be the North champ, but also be on the road next week in Baltimore. Does that make sense? Yeah. They're the four seed. They're, excuse me. They'd be the three seed, but based on the, the current structure, they would be on the road against Baltimore. What kind of ratings do you think that the coin flip could get on NFL Network? Oh, they've got to do that. If they like, televise right the coin after flip? the game. I'm thinking about Billy Bob Thornton in the TV or the movie version of Friday Night Lights. That'd be awesome. Where they actually had the coin flip to decide, I think, where the game was being played or whatever it was going to be. They, I think they carried it over into the Eric Taylor version on uh, yeah. on the on the TV show. <laughs> yes. But remember, all the, the local camera crews were there. You know, the three. And people and, around, they met at the predetermined it, spot. It took for every, every at it some took diner forever. or whatever it was, and the coaches met. Uh, what if you had that? Yeah, you drive to a spot right in the middle of the two teams between Baltimore and <laughs> you drive Cincinnati. To Indy? You have to go to Indy. Yeah. You drive to West Virginia. <laughs> we're going to meet in Huntington, West Virginia at uh, Barb's Diner, and then we're going to meet there. We're going to have some flapjacks afterward, and we're going to have the both owners, and we're going to flip the coin. I'd watch that on TV. Hey, I would also say, like, if Tyler Huntley beats Cincinnati, by the way, Lamar Jackson's not playing. He's been ruled out. Uh the Ravens, I hope, do win the coin toss in this. Yeah. Cincinnati should should win this division. They should just they put should in a, an appeal to the league. That Baltimore's says, defense is legit, though. That says you're starting Joe Burrow. We're starting Tyler Huntley. That's your coin <laughs> That's toss. That's the coin toss. That's it right now. Let's That's go ahead and agree upon that. If we win with this quarterback matchup, then it's ours. 
just getting started at what's going to be a, a, a fun show, fast-paced, plenty of guests, including the Chuttons, the awards the coming Chuttons. up in hour number three. When we come back, we head to Los Angeles. Trey Wallace joins us. We preview the national championship for college football, Georgia and TCU. That's next and now Kick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Friday edition of Outkick 360 with Hutton and Withrow. And Trey Wallace, who joins us from Los Angeles. SoFi is the site for Monday's national championship between Georgia and TCU. And uh, Trey, I saw the post where you made it out, well, late central time. Uh, last night into the bright lights of LA and um, you made it from lower Alabama LA to uh, <laughs> to uh, the bright lights of Los Angeles I'm I'm uh, I'm curious just from the scene setter here um, how much you can tell that the title game is there because we were there this past February for the Super Bowl and while it was very evident the Super Bowl was in town there was also a sense of L.A. was so much bigger than the event itself. It was hard to find fans of either side. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting travel day, which it got started off with a nice delay yesterday morning for three hours. And then I had a five-hour layover in Houston. So I finally got into L.A., you know, around 2 o'clock this morning, which was great. Uh, but sat next to a TCU fan from England. So I had a great conversation with him. That story is going to be coming up here soon at Outkick. But, you know, like, it it's weird. It's a weird feeling because last year, you know, we had in Indianapolis. And this year you're in L.A. and it is so spaced out. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. And I think you guys would agree. Like, it, you know, I, I ran across a few TCU fans at the airport last night. Um, I'm sure a lot of them will be coming into town, Georgia TCU fans today. Uh, in tomorrow, but it doesn't have that college football feel right now. And maybe that'll change come, you know, Sunday afternoon or Monday, you know, I'm hoping it does. But as of this moment, it, it's just kind of a weird feeling. Like everything is is so spaced out, you know, and people are staying from here to Santa Barbara, you know, mm -hmm. for the national championship game. So I, I am curious to see what the environment uh, will look and feel like maybe Sunday, you know, once you're getting around town and stuff like that. But as of right now, I'm kind of there with you guys where you know there's a big event in town. There's banners everywhere around the hotels and on the streets and stuff, but you're still kind of waiting to, to feel that presence. So we'll see. And in a sport that a big part of its culture is around tailgating for college football, how can you not have tailgating at the college football national championship game is there a reason i know it says select events they'll allow tailgating but this feels like the select event at sofi stadium where you allow that yeah that's very weird and i have i've asked the question this morning and i've gotten a lot of no comments 
uh, about that. Um, I, I think when you look at SoFi Stadium and you look at like they're going. Here's another thing too. Like they have companies. You know, you can call out here and they can set up your tailgates just like anywhere else in the country. Uh, you're going to have fans that are driving out here. You're going to have fans hopping in an RV and and coming out to to Los Angeles for this game. I find it very weird uh, that they wouldn't allow some sort of tailgating. I mean, uh, you know, what what's the big deal? You know, popping up a grill and having a good time. Um, that kind of threw me off. And, and and another thing is like, if you're wanting to like set the scene as a, a college football national title game, like what, what better time would it be to get some, some Texas barbecue, you know, for the TCU fans and Georgia fans cooking up some, you know, smoked ribs or whatnot. Like I'm just saying, like, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, and SoFi is big enough where the parking lot, you can hold the tailgating. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know what their mindset of that was, um, but I'm curious to get an answer this weekend. And I'm going to get an answer. I don't care how many people I have to ask for. Well, the answer needs to come from Bill Hancock because it's the college football playoff, not SoFi, that has this rule. Right. And they had this rule the last couple of years. Um, well, you know, it was interesting, Jonathan. I didn't mean to cut you off yeah. right there, but like in Indianapolis last season, uh, last year, when when it was 30 degrees outside and it was partially snowing, I still, like, inside the parameter of Lucas Oil, and you guys know that stadium, it's not very big, like, on the inside of it. But, like, right outside, yeah. there were tailgates, there were Georgia fans, Alabama fans, you know, grilling out, having a good time. So it was it's somewhat surprising that you don't have that here in LA. So, you know, let, let we, we need some answers on that. that that's kind of flabbergasting. What must TCU do, Trey, in order to pull the upset and, and more importantly, answer the way they answered Michigan in the semis against Georgia on Monday? Get after Stetson Bennett. Force him into some mistakes. Um, force him into interceptions. I, I think that, look, the way TCU runs their defense, we all watch that Michigan game. They, they caused some problems for J.J. McCarthy uh, in, in that Joe Moorhead I – mean, I'm sorry, Joe Moorhead Joe Moore award-winning offensive line uh, for Michigan. I, I, look, it's going to cut – Stetson been in there and George is going to try to run the football, establish the running game. But, but the biggest thing to me is, you know, make stops, try to force an interception or two, get the ball to Max Duggan and let that kid roll. Um, you, you, I was talking to an assistant coach at TCU this week, you know, and he wasn't going to give me a game plan or anything like that, but he, he was talking about how, you know, with Max Duggan, he's so good on the fly and, and, and trying to find plays when everything else breaks down. And I think that's what you're going to see because for being real honest, man, it, it's going to be hard for TCU's offensive line to keep Jalen Carter from getting after Max Duggan or at least getting in his face. So Having Max Duggan make plays on the outside, I think, is key. And another thing, too, got to have Andre Miller at running back. If, if TCU does not have him on Monday night, it could make for a long game for the TCU offense. You need Miller. So we're going to find out how bad that ankle is. Um, you know they're not going to give anything away tomorrow at media day. But that is a major significant piece to how this game is going to go on Monday night. And for Georgia, I mean, they're one of the trying to become a dynasty at mm -hmm. this point with back-to-back -back championships and really no end in sight with this team. They're going to be right there in the championship mix for the foreseeable future. 
trying to become the next Alabama under Kirby Smart with what they were able to do under Nick Saban. And I'm curious, Trey, they were tested at, at Missouri, you know, up until the fourth quarter this year. But outside of that, it feels to me like they just survived their big scare in that semifinal against Ohio State, down 11 late in the game, and they found a way to come back and win it in improbable circumstances. Does it sort of feel that way to you also that that was the big scare and it's going to be not easy selling necessarily against this this TCU team, but the worst is behind them for Georgia? It kind of, yeah. I mean, in, in, a, in a short answer, yes. Like, it, it feels like, okay, you put everything you had into that semifinal game and then you win it at the end, you know, with, with Ohio State missing a field goal. But, you know, before that, Stetson Bennett had that moment where he led this team down the field. You know, they, they go up, and then it's up to the defense again to try to get a stop, and Ohio State misses the field goal. But it, 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 there were times during the season where we looked at Georgia and we're like, okay, you know, there, there's something about this team that kind of feels off, but then all of a sudden they're like, bam, they get you, they score a touchdown, they put the game away, and it's over. And there weren't many games. You know, there, there was the Missouri game. Um, I, I think a, a lot of people you know, make a big deal out of about the, the Kent State game earlier in the year uh, with, with how they played. But, you know, this Georgia team just has the ability to flip a switch. And, and once they flip the switch, this team is dominating. And you look at, like, they took Ohio State's best shot. Like, they took a football team's, and, and Ohio State's good. You know, the, the C.J. Stroud and what he did, I thought he played a hell of a game. But they took their best shot, and they still came out with a win. You look at the game Monday night, you know, like, okay, they're 13-and-a-half point favorites. You know, this looks like a Georgia team that should be dominating. But I'm curious to see, okay, Georgia got up for that massive semifinal game. They gave everything they had against Ohio State, had to pull it out at the end. You know, did that did that take anything from Georgia? You know, did that – I don't want to say spark or something like that because they're still going at it, but that was a tough game they played in Atlanta. So I'm curious with TCU, they're coming in. I mean, this team's fired up. So I'm interested to see the dynamic between how TCU comes out. You know, do they get too hyped for the moment? Or Georgia, where they're just calm, cool, and collected. We trust Stetson. We trust our defense. Let's go down here and make some plays. The dynamic, Chad, of these two will make for a very interesting situation in the first quarter on Monday night. I want to see if these these teams come out and, you know, if they're, you know, pissing vinegar, I guess is maybe the best way to put it. Trey, what a weird week for Jim Harbaugh. You know, loses that shootout, great game, all those points scored in the third quarter, but loses an upset to TCU. Then all the talk about all the NFL interest that's coming at him from David Tepper, from other teams also, from Denver. Is he going to go to the NFL? Is now the time? To this weird, what seems almost forced statement that he made, where and I'm quoting here, he says, while no one knows what the future holds, I expect it to be back at Michigan. And then an hour or so after that, you get the announcement that the NCAA is bearing down on Michigan and that he lied to NCAA investigators. And he's being investigated for that at Michigan. Crazy time to be Harbaugh on the Wolverines. God, that was just – it was like a one-two punch. It's like a – you know, I, 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 it was funny. I, I took off, so I saw his statement, and then I land, 
And I I had heard inklings that, that the NCAA was looking into COVID practices of Michigan, along with a number of other schools. Like, there are a number of other schools the NCAA is looking at right now when it comes to how teams dealt with COVID. I think Tennessee is a prime example of that. If you want, like, a reference point of what we're talking about, um, go look at Tennessee's notice of allegations. So you look at Jim Harbaugh. He puts out, you know, first of all, that statement didn't come from him. Uh, that came from somebody else. Maybe that word, expect, came from him. Uh, and, and so you see that, and then all of a sudden, bam, okay, NC notice of allegations is coming. Uh, you had contact with recruits during a dead period. Uh, and then you, you know, I was talking to two Michigan sources last night, and the biggest thing that, that that came out of that is, you know, the the misleading. The, the I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? We had contact with players during the COVID dead period. Like he wasn't forthright with it. He when he should have been. Like the biggest thing I, I'll, I'll try to explain this for folks during that COVID dead period when everything was going on, you could not host official visitors on campus if a player decided to come to your campus on their own dime and just stroll around look at it whatnot see if what it is coaches could not have any contact though they got through that by dropping pins and then all of a sudden the coach would be like oh didn't expect to see you here wow it's good to see you that's how that worked so Jim Harbaugh lies about it misleads it however you want to say it to NCAA investigators uh, so now he gets popped with a level one violation like this. This has been the weirdest 24 hours, 48 hours for Harbaugh in Michigan because of the lackadaisical statement that they put out. And then all of a sudden the notice of allegations. And, um, you know, you, you can't sugarcoat this, guys. Like this, the, the violations aren't like something where, OK, it's over. You're done. You're fired. This is fired for cause, whatnot. Like they would look kind of petty if they fired him for cause for something like that, but you've got it out now and Harbaugh's got it out by saying, okay, well, if some NFL team comes calling, maybe I'll just dip out. So just stupid times in Ann Arbor guys. I I don't understand it. And folks that I'm speaking with right now at the NCAA, they, you know, one person told me this morning at the NCAA, why would he lie about something like that? Like, why would you mislead them? Like, it's easy. Just say, yeah, okay, we, we had contact with a couple players while they were on campus, whatever. Slap on the wrist. You'll get a recruiting restriction. It'll be done. But Harbaugh is going to Harbaugh. Trey Wallace with us. Trey, final thing. Uh, Shane Beamer goes from $2.6 million annually to more than doubling his salary to uh, $6.5 million per season now starting immediately with the Rays he goes he takes over what a two and eight program after the COVID year goes seven and six now uh eight and four right yep and eight and five after eight the bowl and five loss. after yeah. the bowl and finishes the regular season with wins over Tennessee and Clemson and propels into more than a four million dollar raise what a year and what a couple of seasons for Beamer now back-to-back off seasons where he can boast yeah, like I, 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 guys, like he deserves a raise, in my opinion. First off, if Eli Drinkwitz is going to get six yeah. million dollars, yes. Shane Beamer damn well deserves to get six million dollars for what he has done. He's actually winning at <laughs> South Carolina. Drinkwitz is over here losing and getting six mil. Beamer's getting things done, you know, in a way. I know that they've had like an interesting offseason when it comes to players transferring out, and we're seeing that movement, but. Hey, man, I, I think it's good. Like, he's brought life back to the Gamecock football program. 
Um, you, you got fans excited. You played a great game against Notre Dame. You can go into the offseason with a little momentum. I, again, I know fans are a bit upset seeing all these players enter the portal, but this is the new age of college football. These players are entering the portal, too, not because of playing time. Like, everything's going up in South Carolina. Like, they're going for playing time, but also they're, they're looking for money uh, in this situation. Like, we, we've seen instances where players – you know, we're threatening to get into the portal. And then all of a sudden these collectives got to come out and be like, Oh, okay, well, wait a minute. Let's figure out how much money, you know, we get them to stay. You know, there was a university yesterday that came out and said, well, we've reached an agreement with a certain player and uh, he's going to stay at Tennessee. You know, it's like, what? And then I saw that this week at Texas where there was a player that was going to enter the portal and the university comes back or the collective comes back and says, okay, we're going to, you know, we've agreed to, to keep these players. Like this is how it is now. And uh, I don't blame um, these collectives. I don't blame these schools for doing this. As one assistant coach told me, um, the first thing that, that, that comes to mind for certain star players is what's it going to cost to keep me here? You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's just a new age of college football guys. So with Shane Beamer, Congratulations! Make your money, man. Uh, you better deliver next year. But uh, at least you're uh, you're doing more than uh, you know Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri. As the lights go out on me here in my hotel. Well, that means it's time to go uh, hit the boulevard. Is what that means. Some power Trey. surges or maybe some blackouts happening throughout yeah. LA. Getting ready for all that yep. energy that's going to be used for that national championship game on Monday. Literally, the power just went out, which is, I don't know how we're still in the air, but we're still in the air. So God bless yeah. you guys. And uh, You know you what? Know. I, the power's on at Laguna Beach. Go go, yeah. go ahead over there. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, thanks for the time, man. We'll catch up on Monday. Hey, guys, I look forward to it. And follow our kick all weekend. We'll have media day starting on Saturday with George at TCU and coaches. And uh, we'll have some great coverage from out here in California. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Continue to kill it there in uh, in Nashville, and uh, we'll talk Monday. Thank you, guys. Sounds good. Thanks, Trey. Checking out have the fun. Trey Wallace podcast as well. Uh, coming up in uh, just over 15 minutes, Mattress Mac is on the show, plus Danny Cannell. One of our favorites. Two of our favorites. Chuttons, uh, our award show coming three of up our in our number three. And when we come back, the NFL outright underdog upsets for Week 18 – and we'll tell you the playoff scenarios. Who can be in the four seed in the AFC or the seven seeds in both conferences? That's next and now kick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Jim McInvale, Mattress Mac, will join us in 10 minutes. Uh, Loved our uh, initial conversation with him whenever he placed the the big money on the Astros and now he's placed big money on TCU John McClain he's all in on TCU as well we will chat with Mattress Mac GalleriesSports.com that's coming up in 10 minutes we'll also give our thoughts on the matchup itself and Danny Cannell will do the same that's also in today's show 
Chat, each uh, and every Friday going into the NFL weekend, I give you my underdogs for the NFL week. And here's the problem with and week 18. And every week I bet them. Here's the problem with week 18. And I only throw out what I'm going to use at outkick.com slash bet. The problem is there are so many teams that are out of the playoff scenario, of course. You also have the quarterback issues and injuries. I've got one game for you, and that's it. And to me, it's the most logical one based on the two franchises and the fact that one team can finally run its offense at least somewhat. And that's the Titans over the Jags. Outright, money line winner, plus 210. Jags are favored, minus 300 in this game. But, hey, if I'm throwing down 5 bucks, 10 bucks, give me the Titans outright to win Saturday night in Jacksonville. You're not going to find me having a ton of faith here but as far as underdog outright winners this week this is the best bet given the coach his history for extra rest nine and one against the spread with 10 or more days rest for his team and he's given the stars Jeffrey Simmons Derek Henry handful of others plenty of rest going into this even prior to the Dallas game And the defense, for the most part, has played well during their losing streak, except to Jacksonville. But what they can't do is turn it over. And what they have to do is lean on Henry. Henry is well-rested. They have Joshua Dobbs, Chad, who can at least functionally run the offense. not saying he's a great option, but he's the best of really bad options at the quarterback spot, making his second career start. And to me, that gives them life. That gives them an opportunity to board the flight today when they head down to Jacksonville for tomorrow night's kickoff with an opportunity to think about the postseason instead of the offseason. With both these teams, I think you can look back at what the the approach they took last week, and I think it was the right decision for each team, even though they went about it a different way. For Jacksonville to play their guys and stomp Houston in a game that didn't matter because they were going to need to win this game regardless, I think that was the right way to go about it. For a team that's gotten hot late in the year and still – kind of figuring their way through this whole thing. And I think for the Titans, I mean, Mike Vrabel almost had no option but to rest as many people as possible because they are so beaten up and so injured. They had to be as healthy as possible going into this game. And that week off mixed in with what you brought up, Hutton, the nine days rest, I guess. Now this game's going to be on Saturday night. That's a big bonus for the Titans going into this game. I don't think they can do it because Jacksonville's just playing so much better. But... I don't hate this given the odds of plus 210 for a Titans team that's been regularly winning this division in recent years. Yeah, and they turned it over four times against Jacksonville last time, a yeah. couple weeks back. Like they, they, if they can't have the turnovers, of course, but they can play better, and the game plan I trust because Mike Vrabel had the time to prepare for a division opponent with a chance to at least host a playoff game a week from now. Here are your AFC clinching playoff berth scenarios. Jacksonville win or a tie, they're the four seed. They're locked into the AFC South Championship. Uh, The the Patriots, if they beat the Bills, the Patriots are guaranteed a spot in the AFC uh, playoffs. They will be the seven seed. Uh, If the Pats and Dolphins both lose and the Steelers beat the Browns, the Pittsburgh Steelers are headed to the playoffs as the seven seed. Patriots, Dolphins, and Steelers, if they all lose and Jacksonville loses... Jacksonville can still get in as the seven seed if the Patriots, Dolphins, and Steelers all lose as well 
on Sunday. And Jacksonville wins Saturday. The Steelers, Dolphins, Patriots all lose. New England still gets in despite losing. And if by some miracle here, New England, Miami, and Pittsburgh all tie, the Patriots still get in as the seventh seed. So they're in the best spot for the seventh seed. They need to win, and they are in. They would finish the season 9-8. and eight. Right now, they'd be on the road in Buffalo. For the NFC, Packers beat the Lions Sunday night football. They're in. They're locked into the seventh seed. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, as well as Brady, they're both in the playoffs. If the Seahawks beat the Rams and the Packers lose to Detroit, Seattle is the seventh seed. Now, that's key because if that happens going into Sunday night, Detroit will know they are eliminated. But they would, in this scenario, still beat Green Bay. Seattle would be the seventh seed. If the Seahawks lose to the Rams and the Lions beat the Packers, the Lions get in. And if we have a tie on Sunday night football and Seattle wins, the Seahawks are the seventh seed. And if Green Bay and Detroit tie and Seattle loses, Detroit gets in. So those are your possible scenarios. For the AFC South, it's Titans, Jags, and the four seed. AFC wildcard seven seed, Patriots, Dolphins, Steelers, or Jaguars are, al- are alive for the seven seed. And in the NFC, Chad, Packers, Seahawks, Lions, alive for the seven seed in all this. All of a sudden, it's I want to see the Packers win. This All of a sudden, I want to see the storyline of Green uh, Bay. I absolutely want to see Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. You Although me? the Lions. The Lions would also be fun if they somehow yeah. made their way in with a Seahawks loss I think that's and a, a win good, in, in Lambeau. It's a good scenario either way. I think for those two teams to get in the playoffs. How would Mattress Mack bet the postseason, I wonder? Uh, certainly not leaning towards Houston on anytime soon, but... He does for baseball, and he is in Texas for TCU. Mattress Mac joins us next on Outkick 360.